0: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Worcester Talking News, brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment Service for the Blind, which includes anyone who has a visual impairment and is unable to read a newspaper. We have the permission of the Worcester News, and we're recording on Thursday, the 11th of October, 2018. I'm Elizabeth Hill, and this week the team comprises our engineer, John Plush. Round the table reading is Judith Doherty, Audrey Luxton, and Sally Rowe, and clerical work has been performed magically by Carol Hartle, and I think Sue Childs, and uh, I believe um, Duncan Wynn Judith and Audrey are then going to do the copying. May I extend a very warm welcome to any new listeners and hope you enjoy our offering. You'll hear some emergency and useful telephone numbers. We'll have what's on in the local theatres, the obituaries, thought for the week, we'll open the birthday book. Tell us yours if you haven't already and the past week's headlines, Sunrise and Sunset Times, and then stories of interest from the past week. The service is quite free to users, is a registered charity. If, however, anyone does wish to make a donation, it can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, WYLDS, in Worcester, WR51DA. And we do thank anyone who has sent a donation. We do like to hear from you. If you have any complaints, comments, anything else, then please uh, put a message in your wallet or leave a message on the answer phone 01905 76776 But do leave a message because we're not here every day. Uh, A couple of notices. Um, We would like to remind listeners um, to return memory sticks promptly to facilitate a smooth operation and the use of our resources. Um, It has been a policy in the past to only send out two recordings and if neither are returned, not to send you any further recordings. If you are unwell or have a problem, please let us know. 01905 76 and leave a message so that's two weeks worth of recordings and then please send them back but we do appreciate if you send them back week by week by week it really does make life a lot easier thank you i'd also like to remind you we have an extensive library of talking books fictions thrillers romance available in um on tape and cd we can provide a list of books in the library in large print hard copy or on tape Leave a message on the answer phone, number as before, or, as I've said, put a note in your Talking News wallet. So I think that actually um, is all the notices. So I'm going to ask Audrey to give us the telephone numbers. Thank you.
1: Uh, to repeat our number here in Wild Lane, it's 01905 767 766. Worcester Live for booking for um, Huntington Hall and uh, the Swan Theatre is again 01905 611 427. The Malvern Theatres 01684 892277. A non-emergency number for the police is one hundred one Crime Stoppers is zero eight zero zero five five one one. The Worcester hub is O one nine oh five seven six five seven six five. The Norbury Theatre at Droitwich is O one nine oh five seven seven O one five four NHS Direct is 111. Out of hours medical assistance is 0300 123 3211. That is between 6 and 8pm. The Infirmary Museum is 01905 542 373.
0: Thank you, Audrey. Um, and now I'm going to ask um, Sally to tell us about events on Locally.
2: Thank you. Right. Well, there's a lot of things on Locally. Um, starting in Worcester on Saturday, the 13th of October, there is a puppet show entitled The Gingerbread Man, obviously for, for children. And that's at um, two o'clock in the afternoon. And that's in the new Henry Sandon Hall. Then um, the same day, Saturday the 13th at 7 o'clock at the Swan Theatre, there is Beating Berlusconi. Um, In 2005, despite threats from his wife and bank manager, Kenny travels to Istanbul for the Champions League final. He carries the scars of 30 years as a red and living in a demonized city, Beating Berlusconi is a roller-coaster tale of one man's attempt to rediscover his belief in himself, his club, his city and his class. Then on Sunday the 14th of October at the Huntingdon Hall, the Worcester Concert Club presents Laura Snowden playing guitar, an award-winning classical guitarist and composer. She was the first guitarist to graduate from the world-renowned Yehudi Menuhin School. Uh, Then on Tuesday the 16th of October, also in the Huntingdon Hall at 7.30, is Suggs, What a King Knut, A Life in the Realm of Madness. And that's um, Madness Classic. Then moving on to Tuesday the 16th, running right through to Saturday the 20th, with a matinee on Saturday at the Swan Theatre. There is um, a production of Monty Python's Spamalot, and that's produced by WADS. Um, On Wednesday, the 17th of October at Huntingdon Hall at 7.30, is Robert Newman's Total Eclipse of Descartes. In a world gone crazy, can philosophy help? This sparkling, brilliant new show tries to give you the answer. Rob Newman, stand-up legend, best-selling novelist and Radio 4 Sony Award winner, attempts to piece together a philosophy for our troubled times by sifting through 3,000 years of thought. Then um, on Thursday the 18th at the Henry Sandon Hall is Dipper Malkin with support from Paul Rose, um, elevating traditional music to new heights. Sturdy Beauty and Sophistication. Then at the Huntington Hall on Friday the 19th of October is Dare, a tribute to the Human League. That's at 7.30. Dare brings you the ultimate Human League experience, a guaranteed top-class show. Uh, Then also at the Huntington Hall on Saturday the 20th of October at 7.30 is Aga's in his first solo show as he takes us on a trip down memory lane recounting tales from a wonderful and entertaining career on the field and in the box with film footage, audio clips and photographs on the big screen. Then in the choir at Worcester Cathedral from Tuesday the 16th to Saturday the 20th of October at 730 and with also matinees on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at 1.45, is a production of Twelfth Night by the Worcester Repertory Company. Then um, on Wednesday the 24th through to Saturday the 27th of October at the Swan Theatre is a production of Shadowlands. This West End and Broadway hit stage pr- adaption of William Nicholson's award-winning TV play is poignant, humorous, unsentimental and ultimately optimistic love story of C.S. Lewis. Then also some advanced warning. Um, the Worcester Festival Choral Society is in the mood to celebrate the 20th century with music. Its first concert of the season will take place on Saturday, November the 17th and will bring a feast of beautiful 20th-century choral music to the city. A spokesman added, On the programme is is Ralph Vaughan Williams' glorious Christmas cantata, Hoodie, This Day, which has a historic link to Worcester. It was first performed under the baton of Vaughan Williams himself at Worcester Cathedral as part of the Three Choirs Festival in 1954. The concert also includes Francis Poulenc's Gloria, one of the most popular classical music works by any French composer, performing with the 140 members of Worcester Festival Choral Society, many of whom are selected to sing in the annual Three Choirs Festival Chorus. This will be held in Worcester Cathedral Choir, with acclaimed soloists Susanna Fairburn, Tom Robson and Alex Ashworth and the Meridian Sinfonia. The Society's new music director, Christopher Alsop, conducts. The spokesman said, In Worcester's Festival Choral Society's other co- concerts this season, the choir performs Handel's Messiah on December the 8th and Mendelssohn's Epic Elijah on March the 23rd, both in Worcester Cathedral. Concert tickets are available from www. Worcester Festival Choral Society.org.uk or O one nine oh five six double one four two seven. Then moving across to Malvern, quite a number of things there. Um, next week from Monday the fifteenth to Saturday the twentieth at seven thirty is Rebus. Long Shadows, by Ian Rankin, one of the great creations of modern mystery fiction. Based on Ian Rankin's novel, and it's been dominating the detective fiction market from the ensuing television series, ensuring the detective's legendary status. Ian Rankin is bringing his beloved creation to the stage for the very first time. Then on um, Saturday the 13th at 7.45, there is a Pink Floyd experience. And the week beginning Tuesday the 23rd to Saturday the 27th of October um, at 7.30. No performance on Thursday is Henry V by William Shakespeare. Then um, from Monday the 22nd to Saturday the 27th of October is Shakespeare in Love, the hit film, now a hit play. It's had very good reviews, deliciously funny. It makes you grateful to be alive, an independent. And those are 7.30 in the evening. I suspect there is a matinee, but it doesn't say that. here's usually on a Wednesday. Um, then on Sunday, the 14th of October, we have Bizet's Carmen, sung in French with English subtitles. Um, and finally, on Tuesday, the 16th of October, something completely different, Steve Pete, Bikes and Beers. Mountain biking superstar Steve Peat tells the story of his illustrious racing career the bikes, the World Cups, the parties, and the pursuit of the seemingly elusive World Championship title, which some thought might never come. Please note this event may contain strong languages. And that uh, rounds up the summary of things to do in the area in the next few weeks.
0: Well, quite a lot going on. Thank you, uh, Sally. For those who you, those of you who don't uh, want to listen to the obituaries, I suggest you skip the next section. Um, but these are have been announced in the Worcester News in the last week. Mario Rocchi passed away in hospital, September the twenty first. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Friday, October the twelfth at uh, three pm, three fifteen. Sorry, this will have taken place. Um, uh, the uh, funeral director is E.J. Gummery and Son, 6870 obviously Road, Worcester. Um, and any donations f- uh, for Worcester Wheels Community Transport. This one will also have taken place on the 12th. Um, that of Doreen Fulcher, who passed away September 22nd. Uh, funeral service, as I say, will have been on October the 12th. Um, donations for Alzheimer's Association, Inquiries to Cooperative Funeral Care, 17 Lowesmore, Worcester WR1, 2RS. Uh, the following are still to take place. May, known as Betty Lambert, passed away September 26th. Requiem Mass at Our Lady Queen of Peace Roman Catholic Church Monday, October the 15th at 10am, followed by a committal at Worcester Crematorium at 1130 Donations for the Royal National Lifeboat Institution, or Midland Air Ambulance. Care of Bedwardine Funeral Services, thirty Bromyard Road, Worcester, WR2 5BT. Robert John Charles Tipton passed away suddenly, aged twenty-five, on the twenty-sixth of September. A celebratory service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on October the 16th at one forty-five pm Donations welcome for leukaemia care. Inquiries to George Crump and Son, 01905 nine. Beryl Mayer-Williams, former language teacher at Worcester Girls Grammar School and Christopher Whitehead School, passed away September 24th. A service of thanksgiving will be held at St John the Baptist Church Clanes on Tuesday, October the 16th at 12.30pm. Donations for Blue Cross can be sent to EJ Gummery and Sunday Tales as before or left on collection plate. <coughs> Muriel Joan Turner passed away September 17th. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium Tuesday, October 16th. At 915 am Family Flowers only. Alan Davis, retired station officer, Hereford and Worcester Fire Service, passed away October the 6th. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium, Wednesday, October 17th at 10:45 a.m. Donations if desired for guide dogs um, can be left on the plate or sent to E. J. Gummer in Sunday Tales as before. Margaret Jenkins, formerly Basnet, passed away October the 1st. She was a teacher at Northwick Manor School. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium, Thursday, October the 18th at 2.30pm. Donations (coughs) for Dementia UK can be left on the collection plate or sent to EJ Gummery & Son. Details as before. Christine Joan, known as Chris Harvey, formerly of Harvey's newsagent, Bath Road. Passed away September 26th. Funeral service, Worcester Crematorium, Thursday, October 18th at 12.15pm. Donations for Acorns Children's Hospice Trust can be left on the collection plate or again sent to E.J. Gumry and Son. Also on the 18th is Richard Garnham, um, Funeral who he passed away on October the third. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium at ten forty five AM on the eighteenth. Donations for the British Heart Foundation be left at the crematorium or sent to Bedwardine funeral services. Ian Finnegan passed away the first of October. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium Friday, October the nineteenth at eleven thirty AM. Um oh, I've got a few more bef- before that. Um donations for the air ambulance. Sorry, I'm just backtracking slightly t- to Ian Dunenbergs, who passed away this fourteenth of September. Funeral service is actually on Wednesday, the seventeenth of October, at twelve fifteen PM at Worcester Crematorium. Um All flowers welcome in lieu of donations. Uh, Something purple is requested. The funeral director is AV Band 41 St Nicholas Street, Worcester, WR11UW. On the 18th is the funeral of Den Barrett, who passed away 24th of September. The service will be at Worcester Crematorium at 11.30am. Donations to Bream Residential Fund. On the nineteenth is Philip Anthony Meeson. September the thirtieth, he passed away. His service is at nine fifteen a.m. at Worcester Crematorium on the nineteenth. Donations for Arthritis Research UK. Inquiries to George Crump and Sunday Tales as before. I think seven. Um, Enid Deeprose. Passed away peacefully on September 29th. Funeral service Worcester Crematorium, Monday, October 22nd at 12.15pm. Donations <coughs> for Parkinson's UK can be left at the crematorium or sent to Bedrideen. Funeral services 01905 748811. Martin Cother, passed away October the 2nd. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium October the twenty sixth at twelve fifteen PM. monetary donations if desired for Worcester Food Bank and Mags Day Centre. Can be sent to E. Hill and Son, Funeral Directors Pershaw, WR ten one HZ. And Graham David Harbour passed away the seventeenth of September. Service to celebrate his life will be at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday, the thirtieth of October, at three fifteen pm. Donations to the Poppy Appeal and Dementia UK. Care of Droybridge S- Spa Funeral Services, twenty three Saint Andrew Street, Droitwich Spa, WR nine eight DY. Telephone oh one nine five seven nine four six seven five And finally, Roger Ivan Turner, who passed away on October the 4th. There is no detail of funeral service. Our thoughts and prayers are with all those who have lost loved ones recently. And the thought for the day provided by Keir Aldis is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 26, verses 12 and 13. Lord, you establish peace for us. All that we have accomplished, you have done for us. O Lord, our God, other lords besides you have ruled over us, but your name alone do we honour. And now I'm going to ask Judith to open the birthday book. Yes,
3: hello. We've got two birthdays, both on the 15th of October. Firstly, Connie Blower... And secondly, Evelyn Brock. So um, I wish Connie and Evelyn very happy birthdays.
0: Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. And now um, Audrey will give us the headlines for the week and sunrise and sunset times. Thank you. Right. The first
1: headline, Man Fleeced His Ex of £68,000. Burglar, too lazy to get a job. Let's beat the stigma around mental health. Fears for girl with rare brain condition. City of the future. Pedophile bought sinister gifts for boy. Sunrise is now at 7.27am. And sunset is at six twenty three
0: PM Thank you. And with the first of the headlines stories
3: is Judith. Okay, thank you. A despicable man fleeced his ex partner of sixty eight thousand pounds, lying that his mother was dead, and that he would pay back the cash out of her estate. Richard Mountford's lies came unstuck when it was discovered that his mother was very much alive, and he had no cash to pay back his victims, who were both former partners. The 37-year-old was jailed at Worcester Crown Court for fraud and theft after weaving a web of lies so he could use their cash to fund a life of gambling and drinking, leaving both his victims devastated. He met his partner in what was then the Brewery Tap in Lowsmore, now called The Flag, and they began a relationship which lasted between 2005 and 2009. However, even when the relationship ended, Mountford carried on staying with his former partner, 71-year-old Charles Hines, who loaned him money on the understanding he would pay it back. Lal Amara Singh, prosecuting, said that in 2012... Mountford told Mr. Hines that his mother and stepfather had died and he stood to inherit £200,000. In the meantime, Mr. Hines continued to loan the defendant money, including for travelling expenses, which Mountford said he incurred in claiming his mother's estate. Between February 2005, when Mountford met Mr. Hines in Worcester, and January 2018, he fraudulently received £68,400. Delays in paying Mr Hines back were blamed on problems with solicitors. Mr Amara Singh said, What is the most concerning thing is the statement from the defendant's mother from January this year. She isn't dead at all. She is part of the in- intricate web of lies that have been spun by Mr Mountford intending Mr. Hines to pay him money and prey on his good nature and goodwill. He said Mr. Hines only earned a small salary but that did not prevent him giving what he had to help Mr. Mountford. Mr. Amara Singh said Mr. Hines had got himself into severe financial debt because of the loans to Mountford. In a victim statement Mr. Hines said Mountford's Actions had caused him turmoil in many ways, financially and emotionally. Mr Amara Singh said that due to Mountford's limited means and available assets, there isn't a way that money can be repaid. He described the victim as having been thoroughly betrayed and used. Mountford also carried out a theft against another former partner, Rachel Collier, stealing £11,960 of her inheritance following the death of her aunt. He had been partner for between six and seven years, caring for her while she was unwell. She received an inheritance of 21000 and decided to put it in a nationwide savings account, giving him between £500 and £1,000. Mountford was trusted to withdraw money from her account on her behalf using her card, Her not believing he would pocket any himself, but he would withdraw £500 a time for himself. Mr Amara Singh said that when she checked the account, she found it had been dissipated by Mountford. There was just under £12,000 in her account on September the 26th, 2016 on December the 29th 2016 all that was left was six pounds and a penny when confronted by her Mountford said he did not want to get the police involved but she interpreted this as an admission of guilt Mr Amara Singh said her victim personal statement showed she was devastated by what the defendant had done and was vulnerable as a result of her medical condition. She had taken him on two holidays before she discovered the theft. Mountford has had five previous court appearances for seven offences, all matters of dishonesty, although there was a seven-year gap in his offending. Gary Harper for Mountford said, "'It's a despicable offence. That's not a word I chose.' It's a word Mr Mountford has used about himself. Mr Harper said Mountford of Westminster Road, Birmingham had mental health issues including anxiety and depression and had been an inpatient at a psychiatric ward. He told the judge that Mountford, now a man of no means whatsoever, had received a legacy himself of £3,500 at the age of 18 but had caught the gambling bug. Judge Nicholas Cartwright jailed Mountford for four years. He said that if Mountford inherits any money when his mother actually dies, those assets can be seized.
1: A burglar caught red-handed stealing power tools by a, 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 caught by a homeowner after stealing his wife's purse confessed he was too lazy to get a proper job. Mark Biddle, who had a £50 a week cannabis habit, was caught stealing the power tools by a Worcester homeowner who saw his reflection in a television screen and gave gave, uh, chase, shouting at him to drop the haul. Biddle, who dropped a drill as he fled, had already stolen a purse belonging to the homeowner's wife after gaining access through the kitchen through an unlocked door. The 19-year-old had already admitted three counts of burglary when he was sentenced by Judge Nicholas Cartwright. He burgled the house in Brookside Road, a shed at the same property, and another shed at a different property. Judge Cartwright told Biddle before he jailed him, After being asked the direct question, why weren't you working, the answer was that you were too busy to work too lazy to work, I'm sorry. The judge said Biddle was on benefits and therefore had the money to let it live, telling him, you did not need to go out committing burglaries, but you chose to smoke cannabis worth something like £50 per day. But I accept that is what he said, his def- said Mr Axwell, his defence advocate, that it was £50 per week. Lal Amarasinghe, prosecuting, said the burglaries happened on June the 16th. The homeowner, Mr Knight, saw Biddle's reflection in the television and chased after him, telling him to drop the stolen items. Biddle stole Mrs Knight's purse and, to add insult to injury, £800 worth of power tools from Mr Knight's shed. In total, £350 of items were stolen from another shed, including a tea set. The stolen items were found in a nearby street and forensically examined. A sample of blood was found at a shed, which enabled Biddle to be identified. Biddle was arrested on August 7th, accepting entering a, a shed and taking property, but denying the burglary. However, he admitted all three burglaries at his first appearance in the Crown Court. Biddle has 16 previous court appearances for 27 offences, receiving a short custodial sentence in January at Stafford Crown Court. He was subject to post-sentence supervision at the time of the Worcester burglaries. Mr Amara Singh said this is his first dwelling house burglary, An aggregating feature is that the occupier was present at the time. Fergus Maxwell, defending, said, While he has an understandable antecedent history, he has no previous convictions for burglary on his record. It appears all three offences were committed at around the same time. He said Biddle had forced entry to one of the sheds, but not to the house or the other shed. Mr. Maxwell said, while these offences were committed on his own, he is most active when other members of his family are at large. It seems that the cessation of, in, of def- offending may be in part linked to the fact that two, under, two other individuals referred to in the paper lost their liberty from August the 8th. It appears he has ceased offending and engaged positively. Judge Cartwright said Burglary of a dwelling is always serious but particularly so when the householders themselves find, find themselves surprised by a stranger committing a burglary in their house. He said although all the items were recovered the burglaries had been high value and involved great greater harm because the, uh, the homeowner was there. The judge sentenced him to be detained for eight months in a young offender's institution. Biddle of Summer Road, Kidderminster, shouted, Take me down then, I'm ready, love you both, and see you in a bit, Johnny, as he was taken down into the
2: cells. A young man who was plagued by anxiety has spoken of his personal battle and of the importance of talking about mental health as a new campaign launches in the county. The Worcester News and Worcestershire Health and Care NHS Trust have united for the Now We're Talking campaign to raise awareness of the county's Healthy Minds service. Healthy Minds aims to help people aged 16 and over who are experiencing common mental health conditions such as stress, anxiety, low mood or depression, issues which affect around 50,000 people in Worcestershire alone. Steve Winstanley has spoken out about his own battle with mental health to support the new campaign. The 26-year-old was initially prescribed antidepressants, but as part of Healthy Minds, stopped taking medication and started attending group counselling sessions run by Worcestershire Healthy Minds, which really made a difference. In 2016, when Steve returned to work after his Christmas break, he felt an overwhelming sense of anxiety. I started having panic attacks, he said. I knew in my mind something wasn't right. It was awful. I just felt miserable. I was really erratic. I would get angry about nothing. To the outside world, I am a guy who has a lot of friends and likes to socialise. You wouldn't think I would have experienced depression, as I'm not the stereotypical image you associate it with. Steve was well-liked at his previous job, but always felt he should be doing something more personally fulfilling. When he left without anything else lined up, he realised he needed help. In February 2017, Steve visited his GP and was diagnosed with depression and anxiety and prescribed the antidepressant phloxetine. He said, They always tell you it will get worse before it gets better, which is really scary. When you first tell someone that you have depression, it's a huge step and they will feel very vulnerable. I was going through all this, but I felt alone. The pills worked at first. It made me feel emotions again. Taking pills is like taking paracetamol to ease the pain of a bump. It's a great pain relief, but not addressing the issue. The doctors doubled his dose in October 2017, as he was feeling increasingly depressed and anxious. That was the worst thing I could have done, Steve said. I felt detached from reality. I'd gone through a year of my life where I had sad and happy moments, but I hadn't felt any emotion at all. It was like being on autopilot and just going through life without feeling anything. Steve got offered a job at Worcestershire County Council in December 2017, and this led to him seeking alternative help to medication, and he began attending group counselling under the Mood Master programme. When you're talking out loud... Sometimes it helps you realize how the problem isn't really there he said other times is the positive affirmation from talking to a group of people or listening to others and thinking any problems are much less my problems are much less than theirs the coping strategies the nhs provide are fantastic i finished the mood master program 3 weeks ago it is a series of workshops which tackle a variety of problems each week you work on a different aspect Some of the stuff I learned is brilliant. In the group, everyone shared their experience and you got to learn a lot about others. The shared experience aspect helped as everyone came together and could share their individual ideas. On the surface, everyone seems fine. It's only when you open up and realise that everyone has their own problems and you're not the only one. Steve is now a champion for the campaign. Time to change. His role is to spark conversation and help reduce the stigma surrounding mental health, particularly targeting men as they are less likely to get the support they need. Sarah Duggan, Chief Executive at Worcestershire Health and Care Trust, said, It is really important that people feel comfortable to talk if they or a friend or family member are experiencing mental health difficulties. We want to get the message out that your mental health and well-being is just as important as your physical health there are things you can do to maintain your mental well-being and crucially there is support available if you need it talking to someone can really help if you need more support then self-help guides and literature are available we can signpost you to support available in your local area and we can offer group support help you access online courses and if necessary provide more traditional one-to-one therapy for more visit now we are talking dot nhs dot uk or call 01905
3: a city school pupil faces an uncertain future after being diagnosed with a rare brain condition. Lilia Barley's dad Chris, a paramedic, gave his daughter medical care after she suffered a seizure at home. She was rushed to Worcestershire Royal Hospital and later diagnosed with AVM or arteriovenous malformation. This rare congenital disorder, which affects just 1% of the population, can lead to potentially life-threatening bleeding episodes. The 12-year-old Blessed Edward Oldcorn Catholic College pupil, a promising county standard swimmer, has undergone two surgeries since her seizure on September the sixth, caused by a bleed on the brain. She is due to have further surgery in the coming weeks. Mum, Nikki Barley said, "It's really difficult. They won't tell us what the treatment plan is until the next surgery. We don't know what the future holds. We are just talk- taking one day at a time." Lilia. Who spends ten days? Who spent ten days in Bir- Birmingham Children's Hospital, is currently recovering at home, and is able to go to school for up to an hour a day alongside her mum. It depends how she feels," said Nicky, thirty-six. "It's more about just being able to see her friends each day. Prior to the AVM diagnosis, Lilia was swimming five times a week and living an active lifestyle, but her mum said she is now having to find another gear. She said maybe she'll be able to get back to swimming in the long term, but not right now. She gets very tired easily. Nikki has had to leave her job as a teacher to care for her daughter at home in Droitwich, while husband Chris, 46, has only just returned to work. Lilia has swum with Droitwich Dolphins since she was seven but now has taken up more arty and creative hobbies with her mum. Little sister Isla is fundraising to buy toys and activities for the hospital ward where Lilia was a patient. Nikki said the ward already has the den but many of the toys will need replacing and replenishing as time goes on and praised Isla 10. She said... She's just very selfless and always thinks of other people. Lilia is very similar. On Friday, Isla held a wear a hat day at St Joseph's Primary School where she is a pupil as part of her fundraising activities. Fellow pupils were encouraged to make their own hats with prizes available for the best ones. A crowdfunding page also raised over £100 in just a few hours. Nicky said the two sisters are very close. It's hard when you're so young to have a poorly sibling, she said. She went on to thank BCH staff for their amazing support, both medically and emotionally.
2: Plans to transform Shrub Hill into a business district, complete with a gateway train station plaza, have been revealed. The City Council's vision is to renovate the Shrub Hill area into a high-quality business area with offices and a transport interchange at the heart of the plans. Houses, offices and a multi-storey car park would be built as a cornerstone development off Sheriff Street. A huge change to the area would see Elgar House demolished to make way for a brand new plaza in front of Worcester Shrub Hill train station. A brand new cycle and pedestrian route would link Shrub Hill through the neglected Cromwell Street towards the canal and onwards to St Martin's Corn Market on the city centre. An extensive questionnaire on Worcester city centre is now available online as part of consultation on the plans. A master plan to transform the city heart, eating, drinking and shopping in the heart of Worcester has been revealed. Dubbed the City Heart, City Centre would get new and improved pedestrian and cycle links, more car parking and a new transport hub. A brand new space would be created by a street-level walkway alongside the river railway arches from Foregate Street to the Riverside and the Hive. Cathedral Square would be extended to improve connections to Worcester Cathedral and the Shambles. New Street and the crossing to St Martin's would also see improvements. The city centre would be strengthened with more shops, restaurants and bars as part of a complete reshaping of Crowngate Shopping Centre and Frory Walk. And the final headline story for this week
0: regards a paedophile who sexually assaulted young children and tried to groom yet another underage boy by making sinister gifts of chocolate, a birthday card and accessories for his bike. Simon Clancy of Team Road Toledyne also asked the 14-year-old boy to mow his lawn and asked him to come to his home, offering to teach him exercises to develop his abs. The 43-year-old shook his head as he was led down into the cells by dock officers to begin a 43-month prison sentence at Worcester Crown Court. Judge Nicholas Cartwright rejected a request to suspend the sentence, citing Clancy's repeated and flagrant breaches of a sexual harm prevention order, SOPO, designed to prevent him preying on children. Clancy admitted three breaches of the SOPO in the autumn and winter of 2017 when he had contact with the 14 year old. Guilty pleas entered on the day of trial. Three further such offenses will be allowed to lie on file. The SOPO was put in place because Clancy was convicted of indecent assaults against a seven year old boy in 1993 when he was aged 17. He made the boy play a game which involved taking off his clothes, touching the boy and encouraging the boy to touch him. When the boy said he wanted mummy and daddy, Cluncy said he would be smacked if he told mummy. The following year, when he was 19, he committed further indecent assaults, this time against two underage girls aged 13. One of the girls was indecently assaulted under her clothing as she slept and he also placed her hand upon him. Clancy breached the sexual offences prevention order six times in 2010 and when the order was amended in 2013, he breached it on two further occasions. Amanda O'Mara, prosecuting, described how during last year's breaches Clancy bought accessories for the boy's bike. The boy's mother asked how much she owed him but the defendant said she did not need to pay for the items which included a light, lock and reflector. He also gave the boy a lift to the dentist, asking him to sit in the front of his car. He bought the boy chocolates and a birthday card and asked him if he would like to cut his grass, something he never did. The boy described how the defendant was over-friendly and made him feel awkward. Miss Omara said he suggested the boy go around to his house and he could show him some exercises to develop his abdomen. Clancy was arrested by his offender manager on April 13th this year. The mother of the boy read out a statement in court and said Clancy's behaviour had left her and her family stressed and worried and her children were scared to be in the garden alone. The woman wept as she recounted the family's ordeal. She said, ''I would feel better if Simon was detained. ''I feel he needs medical help and support.'' The woman said the defendant's actions made her feel sick and she felt very sad about his deception. Previous breaches of the order in 2010 included Clancy attending a Zumba dance event, taking pictures of children at a kickboxing class and acting as a member of door staff at a leaver's ball where there were children under 16. In 2013, he worked as a steward at Warwick Racecourse, despite being prohibited from working anywhere that might bring him into contact with children. Miss O'Mara said Clancy's history of disobedience towards court orders was an aggravating feature, and she argued this was potentially targeting of a particularly vulnerable victim. Richard Hull Defending said Clancy struggled with the concept of being supervised, and acknowledged that the victim's mother was distressed by what Clancy had done, but argued that categorising the offence as causing very serious harm was inappropriate. He reports to me that he wishes to engage with his offender manager, said Mr Hull, who asked the judge to suspend the sentence of imprisonment. But Judge Nicholas Cartwright said Clancy's actions had been in flagrant breach of the sexual harm prevention order. He told him it's plain you were interested in this young boy. I'm bound to conclude that it was a sexual interest and a sinister one at that. He said he placed the breaches in Category 1A and said they involved causing very serious harm or distress. The judge told Clancy the offences were aggravated by his previous convictions and history of disobedience involving sexual offences prevention orders. The judge observed that Clancy had failed to respond to a community sex offender programme. He noted that Clancy had been subject to post-sentence supervision at the time of the offences. A new sexual harm prevention order prevents him having contact with any child under 18 unless it has been agreed by his police offender manager and children's or social services. The order also restricts him contacting other sex offenders and from distributing goods, solicited or unsolicited, to any child under 18. He is prohibited from photographing, filming or recording any young person under the age of 18 unless it is the recording of broadcast dramas or TV programmes. And well, that's the conclusion of the headline stories for this week, quite lengthy ones. Um,
3: and so now we have a couple of sports items for you. Great, right, thank you. Rampant Worcester Warriors tore sorry Bristol Bears apart with an outstanding seven-try triumph at six ways. After Bristol opened the scoring with a try from Jan Thomas, Warriors scored 52 unanswered points for their biggest Gallagher Premiership victory. The hosts had the bonus point wrapped up by half-time as Gerrit Jan van Veltz, Ryan Mills... Marco Mamma and Francois Venter went over. Chris Pennell and Josh Adams then got on the score sheet as Warriors continued their dominance after the interval. Replacement Ryan Bauer saw red late on, but that failed to derail Worcester, who completed the scoring with a try from Bryce Heem at the death. The bumper home victory also moved Alan Solomon's side, up to seventh on point difference. Warriors were lifted by the return of several key men as they fielded arguably their strongest available starting 15 for the much-anticipated clash. Wing heem, centre venter, open side flanker Sam Lewis and tight head prop Nick Schoenhert All recovered from injuries to face Bears. But Bristol got off to a flying start, scoring inside the opening three minutes. After number eight, Jack Lamb, broke through and was stopped short, the ball was quickly recycled and prop Thomas was on hand to finish under the posts with Ian Madigan applying the conversion. It was a wake up call for Warriors who responded with a long-range penalty from Pennell before scoring their first try on 13 minutes. Darren Barry surged through Bristol's defence before the ball was moved wide and Heem fed Van Veltz, who crossed in the corner. Duncan Weir landed the touchline conversion to put Worcester 10-7 in front. Moments later, Bristol had the chance to level the scores but Madigan pushed his kick wide. a miss he was left to rue as Warriors kicked on. With Worcester on top in the scrum, Bristol found themselves under plenty of pressure. Heem and then Van Veltz were held up over the try line, but Mills was not to be denied on 26 minutes. The centre started the move with a superb offload, before getting on the end of François Hugard's pass to slice through to score. Weir added the extras. Warriors remained on the front foot and added two more converted tries in the closing five minutes of an impressive first-half display. After some great juggling skills from Sam Lewis on the wing to keep the attack alive, Mama slipped off a couple of tackles to score again his former Against to score against his former club, Venter then intercepted prop John Afoa's pass before running 80 minutes and acrobatically touching down under the posts. Weir's simple conversion gave Warriors a 31 to seven lead at half time. Bristol would have hoped to regroup at the break, but Warriors just continued where they left off. as they struck in the first three minutes of the second period. Off the back of a line out, Hugard floated the ball over to Pennell, who hammered his way over the try line. Warriors were in dreamland as they notched their sixth try on 49 minutes. This time, Siale puito offloaded the ball out of his hand only to see Adams intercept and race over. Weir landed both conversions to give Warriors a 45-7 to advantage. Bristol emptied the bench in a bid to stem the flow, but the hosts refused to give their opponents an inch in defence. With 11 minutes to go, Warriors suffered a blow as Bower saw Red for a shoulder charge to Will Hurrell's head. But Worcester had the final say as Pennell showed great hands to find Heme who touched down in the corner. Weir's conversion completed a
2: perfect kicking display. Councillor Adrian Gregson is urging Worcester City to instigate talks over proposals for a new stadium at Pirdesville. Worcester City Supporters Trust last month succeeded in overturning Worcester City Council's decision to reject planning permission for the council-owned site. Four trust-affiliated directors were appointed to the Homeless Club's board in the wake of the Parsonage Way project grinding to a halt and Chairman Anthony Hampson stepping aside. The changes led to a rethink of City's stance. The council's deputy leader welcomed the green light from the planning inspectorate and backed the idea Worcester City should be playing at Purdosval. But, since the original application... City has dropped down three levels and has seen a dramatic decrease in its available funds. Gregson is hopeful that could help to overcome objections but offered a word of warning over what it would mean for the current planning process. Success, Personally, I think club officials should be seeking meetings with council officers to see what they might need to do to move forward, said Gregson. I would like to say... Well done to all those involved for their commitment and perseverance with this application, but the situation has changed. The position the club in, is in is different. They play at a different level and have a new board. The Parsonage Way dis- discussions were about a much reduced stadium operation. They may not be able to afford or want to have what they applied for at Perderswell anymore. If they were to look at what they had planned for Parsonage Way, they may not be able to simply transport that to Purdiswell. Gregson acknowledged the prospect of a fresh process may seem daunting. That must be a very real worry, which is why they must take advice that I cannot offer, he added. I would expect them to have to go through another submission, but the President has been set for the site and they should be encouraged by that. The club is starting to rebuild and needs to consider its position. I would have thought it would readjust what it would not put forward, but that has a significant impact on the levels of objection. I was happy with the original plan for Purdeswell. I spoke in favour and would have voted for it. I understand the concerns of local people in terms of parking and disruption, but I think they are mitigated by their number of games, the length of the season and the number of people attending. Progress depends on gaining a land transfer for the site with the Planning Inspectorate granting just three years for work to begin. Conservative Councillor and Chairman of Worcester City Council's Planning Committee, Chris Mitchell, hit back at criticism of the original decision in a letter to the Worcester News. Mitchell expressed, Hope the club has a fully costed and funded business plan before they approach the City Council, requesting that we either sell or lease per as well. Gregson said whether the council would lease, sell, give that piece of land that it owns was already a separate issue. We all know the business case for that planning application was ambitious in terms of getting funding, business sponsorship and community ownership going. It also depends on success on the pitch. When all of those things are in a state of flux, which they are now, there has to be some sort of reconsideration, but personally I still support the idea... Worcester City should be playing at Purdeswell. It all comes down to the land transfer, and that is a political decision. There is no guarantee I will support that unless the club is a viable business entity. We don't want a white elephant sat in the middle of Purdeswell. I'm not playing fast and loose with the council's money in that respect, but I'm much closer to agreeing with a land deal over the use of that land for the club than my political opponents are. They have said no regardless and haven't even been to a committee to say that. They have just done that privately. The situation has been clear from the start. Green and Conservative politicians in that area are opposed to the club being there. We, Labour, have never said that. Our proviso is certainly that we want the I's dotted and T's crossed before we would feel confident to release the land. Club Director and Trust Chairman Dave Wood, who is leading talks over a new ground, said... We are considering what the successful planning appeal means from every angle and will provide updates in due course. We will refer the legal aspects back to the planning team that has been on board for the past six years for clarification and consider all feasible options. One thing I can say is that the club and trust are fully united behind this and determined to bring our club back home. Um... (coughs) Here's an article about
0: um, something which is coming up in November. A project that has been central to the county's commemoration of the World War I armistice is coming to an end. On Saturday, November the 10th at 7.30pm, a charity fundraising concert will introduce Worcestershire Symphony Orchestra, the Worcester Cathedral Choir and the voices of schoolchildren from across the county. The first half of the concert is made up of composers such as Laura Rossi, who will perform Remember Them. In Remember Them, a choir of 70 children from the nine primary schools, which include the Rivers C of E Multi-Academy Trust, will join in. Voices of Remembrance, which is a vocal and orchestral work featuring readings of World War I poetry, will fill the second half of the concert. Miss Rossi, the composer, will talk about her inspiration for writing the piece. Narrating the poetry will be BBC Radio Hereford and Worcester presenter Tammy Gooding. The Centenary Commemoration Project involved the orchestra running a series of World War I-themed music and poetry workshops at several schools, led by Miss Rossi and Musical Director Keith Slade. Lisa Long... Head teacher at St Clement's CV Primary School, said, Opportunities like this provide lasting memories for our children. Meeting a real-life composer and musician raises their aspirations of what they could achieve in life. In this particular event, the children have also been able to reflect on a key historical event. They were supported by two experienced educators from the Birmingham Pals Reenactment Group, dressed in military costumes to bring the workshops to life. Voices of Remembrance is being supported by the Worcestershire branch of SAFA, the Armed Forces Charity, along with the Royal British Legion and ABF, the Soldiers' Charity, with at least £5 from every ticket sold being donated to the three charities. Tickets are available from Worcester Live, which is 01905 611 But nowhere does it say where this event is taking place. <coughs> so if you are interested, <coughs> you need to contact
3: Worcester Live. Right. Parents at a primary school want to raise £5,000 to buy a giraffe sculpture. As a memorial for a vicar close to their hearts. A group of parents at Kemsey Primary School want to purchase a giraffe from the Worcester Stands Tall live auction to have in memory of Reverend Canon Matthew Baines, who died on Friday, September the 28th. Canon Baines was the husband of the school's headteacher, Bryony Baines. Tracy Weir, whose son Charlie attends the school, said, He was quite a big part of the school and he loved giraffes. He was a big part of all the school's events and formed relationships with the staff. A Just Giving page set up to raise money to buy the giraffe raised £1,500 in the first day. It was opened. The goal is to raise £5,000. Mrs Weir said, We are really overwhelmed with the generosity of the local community and the Kemsey Primary School family and friends. Canon Baines was diagnosed with cancer 18 months after receiving a kidney from his wife in a living donor transplant. Mr Baines had suffered from kidney disease for 20 years before the transplant. Mrs Baines said, The poignancy and kindness of the gesture touched me deeply and reduced me to tears. We pride ourselves at Kemsey Primary School on being a family school. The staff know all the children the older children look after the younger children and so on. As a staff team as well, we are incredibly supportive of each other and the staff have been outstanding in their love and support for me and for Matthew during the 18 months of his illness and in the past week since his death. Matthew was very much part of our school family. He always came and helped at school events. He knew all of the staff personally He even hosted our end-of-term staff barbecue in July. He would have loved this idea. I can see him smiling now. Mr. Baines was cared for at St. Richard's Hospice and and spent the last week of his life there. Mrs. Baines said, They treated him with such kindness and compassion. They gave him back his dignity and eased not only his pain but his soul and, most importantly... They allowed us the precious time as a family to sit round his bed, to laugh a little, to remember, and to tell him how much, how very much we love him, and how we will miss him every day for the rest of our lives. We would not have had that time without St. Richard's. To donate to Kemsey Primary School's effort to buy a Worcester stands tall giraffe, visit JustGiving.com. Slash crowdfunding slash PT FA Giraffe Auction
1: and St Richard's Hospice would like to buy a giraffe as well. The hospice behind the Worcester Stands Tall Sculpture Trail has launched an appeal to raise enough money to bid for one of the giraffes at auction. St Richard's Hospice needs to raise five thousand pounds to be in with a chance of successfully bidding for the giraffe called Snowdrop at auction today. All 30 of the giant giraffes and one giraffe calf called Lily the Pink will go under the hammer a DRP Group in Hartlebury to raise funds for the hospice's Build to 2020 appeal. Hospital fundraising director Tricia Cavill said... Each giraffe has a place in our hearts, but Snowdrop is extra special to everyone here at the hospice. She was painted by Katie Hodgetts, an artist whose granddad was cared for by St. Richard's a- and before he died in 2016. We want to buy Snowdrop at auction and return her to the peaceful gardens here at St. Richard's. Here, Snowdrop can be seen by everyone at the hospice creating a lasting legacy of Worcester stands tall, a project that means so much to the future of our appeal. The BUILD 2020 appeal aims to raise the funds needed to build a bigger hospice, enabling more patients and families to be cared for in Worcestershire. The total cost for expanding and redeveloping the existing building in Wildwood Drive is 5.3 million pounds. Under the terms of the project license, uh, sorry, under the terms of the project license, each giraffe has to go to auction. By Snowdrop going to auction, this gives St. Richards an opportunity to raise more funds for its appeal. If the hospice bid is unsuccessful, all the money raised in this campaign will be denoted to the Build Twenty Twenty appeal. To make an appeal, to make a donation, visit Org project Snowdrop. Uh, it might be a bit late, actually, if the auction's today. I suppose everyone is able to bid. Will be is able to build. Um, sorry. Everyone is able to bid on a sculpture to take home or display at their business or organisation. The bidding for each sculpture is set to start at between £2,500 and
2: £3,500. A health service worker from Worcester has been presented with the British Empire Medal for Services to the Community. The presentation was made to Celia Denley-Maxwell, by the Vice Lord Lieutenant of Worcestershire, the Honourable Lady Morrison, in Worcester's Guild Hall. Mrs Denley-Maxwell worked for the NHS for 35 years as a nurse and midwife. For the past 17 years, she's worked as a health visitor and is a mentor and tutor to other health professionals. She's also an active member of St George's Church, where she has taught the First Communion and Catechism classes for 20 years, as well as singing in the choir. She's also involved with the Three Choirs Festival, serving on the committee since 1990 and being active in many other ways. After the presentation, she said, I'm a bit overwhelmed, it's actually rather humbling because there are so many other deserving people out there. It's a huge honour.
0: Worcester's High Street has been shortlisted in a prestigious uh, award putting it in the running to win a 15,000 prize and you can play a part in winning it, in helping it win, sorry. It has been shortlisted in the champion category of the Great British High Street Awards along with 25 other towns and cities across the UK. Judges Graham Wilson and Simon Quinn visited the city to make their own informed observation. Phoebe Dawson of Worcestershire Bid, which is leading the city's entry to the competition, said, We're delighted that we have been shortlisted and we're very pleased that the judges have paid us a visit so we can show them all that is best about our city. The shortlisted high streets will now battle it out in a public vote, which accounts for 30% of the final scoring. To vote, visit the Great British highstreet.co.uk The winning entries will be announced on Thursday, November the 15th at an awards ceremony in London. High Street's Minister, Jake Berry, MP, said congratulations to Worcester on being shortlisted. The awards celebrate the work that is being done to revive, adapt and diversify the nation's high streets and the quality of entries this year has been outstanding.
3: A fundraising campaign has been launched to create a blue plaque to honour a best-selling 19th-century author who was born in Worcester and frequently wrote of the city and the surrounding countryside. Molly Harris, 23, from Battenhall, came across Ellen Wood, whose pen name was Mrs Henry Wood, when completing her dissertation on West Midlands accents, in 2016 and said she was shocked that such a literary figure was born here and I, as an English student who has lived in Worcester my whole life, has never even heard of her. Molly said, Growing up in Worcester, children are taught the important, extensive history of our faithful city. We have the striking cathedral, world-famous sauce, revered Worcester porcelain, and beloved composer Edward Elgar, just four on a list of our many notable landmarks and public figures. But how many people would add an Ellen Wood or Mrs Henry Wood to that list? Born in Worcester in 1814, Ellen Wood, née Price, was the eldest daughter of a glove manufacturer and, imagin- and an imaginative mother. She spent the first 22 years of her life in the town, before marrying at Whittington Church and moving to the south of France, where she remained for the next 20 years. She later returned to England, setting, settling in Upper Norwood, near London. She wrote over 30 novels and more than 100 short stories during her lifetime, many of which were inspired by her home county. East Lynn, 1861 one of the most successful sensation novels of the 1860s, helped her to become one of the best-selling authors of the second half of the 19th century. During this time, she exceeded the fame of Charles Dickens in Australia and experienced widespread international acclaim. Among her many readers was Leo Tolstoy, who in 1872 wrote to his brother detailing that he was reading Mrs Wood's wonderful novel In the maze. She owned Argosy magazine from 1867 to 1887, where she worked as editor, writer, and champion of other women contributors, including Christina Rossetti. Molly added Dainsbury House 1860, Oswald Cray 1864, Mrs. Halliburton's Troubles 1862, The Channings 1862 and Johnny Ludlow series 1874-1899 to 1899, are further examples of Mrs Wood's best-known work, the latter arguably being the most Worcester-inspired. In many of her stories, Worcester was referred to under the pseudonym Helstonleigh, and Worcestershire featured heavily in the following books, The Channings, Mrs Halliburton's Troubles, Mildred Arkell, 1865... Dean Hollow, 1871, The Elchester College Boys, 1861, and the six volumes of The Johnny Ludlow Tales. Her 1860 novel, Dainsbury House, was based on her family home of the same name, now Primo Bar and Dining in Sidbury. She wrote of boys from the King's School walking between the cathedral and her window at number 2 College Green in the Channings, she set the other earring, 1874, and Katira the Gypsy, 1876, at Worcester Racecourse, and she revealed her in-depth knowledge of the Worcestershire countryside, drawn from long carriage drives with her grandmother in her Johnny Ludlow series, as well as featuring Droitwich, Eversham and Malvern. The Malvern Hills filled her with such solitude and depression, recounted her son Charles Wood, in 1887, and were the backdrop for many supernatural and sinister events in her novels. On her death, on the 10th of February 1887, she was buried at Highgate Cemetery, and Charles Wood donated money to the King's School for a writing competition to find the best essay on Worcester. In 1916, a commemorative monument was unveiled in Worcester Cathedral where a copy of East Lynne is held in the Cathedral Library. Throughout her career, Ellen Wood often revisited her home county in both body and imagination. The deep impact of her formative years is visible in her frequent references to home. She ensured she never forgot her native city. So, in 2018, 157 years since East Lynne, how is it that children are raised through local primary schools, high schools, attend college less than a mile from where she lived and never learn of her successes and talents. Why have we forgotten her? How can we remember her? Maybe we can start by erecting a blue plaque at Number 2 College Street. For more information and to donate to the fundraising campaign, visit gofundme.com. Blue plaque for Mrs. Henry Ellen Wood, Worcester. Convicted rapist Bradley Tout has
1: handed himself in and been charged by police over his dramatic court escape. Police had been searching for the 20-year-old after he escaped from Worcester Crown Court moments after being convicted on Wednesday, October 3rd. West Mercia Police confirmed Tout handed himself in at Worcester Police Station on Monday morning and he was later charged with escaping lawful custody. Many of Tout's friends and family members were visited at all times of the day and night during the search and at one point Tout's dad Matt sent a direct message to his son to give himself up. Tout's dad later posted on social media, Brad handed himself in to Worcester Police Station at 10.30am on Monday. Now we can get the appeal started. Tout fled from the court after being convicted along with Coolin O'Deudra of Canterbury Road of the rape of a 16-year-old girl at County Hall Car Park in 2016. Odidra also raped the girl in in Tout's car after he parked it behind a skip on the car park. Tout then drove to another remote location near Wandon Villages where Tout and Odidra carried out further rapes. Tout of, of Durham Road, Ronxwood, was sentenced in his absence to seven and a half years in prison. A West Mercia police spokesman said, Bradley Tout has handed himself in to police and remains in custody at this time, thanks to everyone who shared our hearing our, her earlier appeal. The Ministry of Justice has launched an investigation into how Tout managed to flee Worcester Crown Court. GEO Amy, which handles security at the court. Said one of its custody officers was taken to hospital after they fell over while chasing the twenty-year-old. Richard Allen, director of city firm Maximus Security, said, "Someone was going to do it some day. It's always been a shambles." While Robin Walker, the city's MP, raised the matter with the MoJ to prevent a repeat of the escape. Out is appear was due
2: to appear at Kidderminster Magistrate's Court this week. A camping company is asking people to sponsor sleeping bags for rough sleepers in the city. Old Pro, a Worcestershire-based firm, is still charging £10 for each bag, which usually sell for £29 to cover its costs. The company will give them to Worcester Street Cafe and the homeless charity Caring for Communities and People, CCP. A spokesman for OLPRO said, Homelessness in the three counties is a massively growing issue. However, not all homeless organisations give out sleeping bags because they don't like to encourage rough sleeping. We know that not every homeless individual can get shelter. Some might be fearful due to previous experiences in a hostel or not be allowed in due to substance addiction or simply might choose not to be in a hostel. These people deserve to be warm just as much as any others. All Pro want to help to make rough sleepers a little more comfortable this winter. The company launched the campaign today to coincide with World Homelessness Day. Cordell Ray from CCP said, As colder temperatures arrive, especially if it's wet, ensuring people have the basic equipment to stay warm is critical for outreach teams, working on the streets and engaging with rough sleepers. Good condition and dry sleeping bags form a part of that list to enable people to stay warm and as well as they can until other longer-term services can be assessed. This is especially so if winter shelters are full or inaccessible, where cold can become life-threatening. Lauren Alley from Worcester Street Cafe added, There is little or no sleep for the rough sleepers when it's cold and wet. With last year's temperatures, we didn't know which one of our friends would make it through to the next day. Let's help to give them a warmer, drier winter. Olpro will also provide a free bag of wash mitts to rough sleepers for every sleeping bag that is sponsored. A body
0: has been found in the search for a missing kayaker from Worcester. Alistair Collier, aged 60, was taking part in a race off Stutland, Dorset on Saturday, the 6th of October. He was last seen at midday near Swanage Pier at the beginning of the race. Around 15 kayakers had been taking part in the event. All other participants returned at the end of the race except Mr. Collier. On Sunday afternoon, the body of a man and his kayak. Were recovered from the water, 22 nautical miles south of Tynham. A spokesman for Dorset Police said on Sunday, following an extensive search coordinated by H.M. Coast Guard, the man believed to be 60-year-old Alastair Collier was located in the water alongside his kayak by the Coast Guards by the post by the po- Coast Guard fixed-wing aircraft and recovered from the water by H.M.S. Tyne transferred to pool hospital by coast guard helicopter dorset police said formal identification had not yet taken place but mr collier's family had been informed and the coroner notified mr collier was seen wearing a red life jacket and was in a white canoe with a stabilizer which had a blue stripe on board top RNLi lifeboats from Swanage. Pool, Yarmouth, Mudford, Pembridge and Weymouth, along with the Coast Guard, were part of an extensive search carried out on Saturday, overnight and on Sunday. John Perrins posted on the Worcester News Facebook page, such a sad
3: outcome. Rest in peace. Almost 40 people have received a certificate from the Bishop of Worcester after completing a course about their Christian faith. The people from groups in Worcester, Ombersley and Offenham took the Bishop's Certificate course over 12 months. It covered subjects such as Christian faith and the creeds, the Old and New Testaments, Pentecost and the Holy Spirit, discipleship and living as Christians with people of other faiths. Bishop John said, This course is not just about learning facts for no reason, but about having the wisdom to understand how those facts affect our lives. I hope that you have learned what, that what you have learned has given you a thirst to know more, as well as a true spirit of enlightenment about God's love. Sue Bateman from St John in Bedwardine Church was part of the Worcester group. She said. It has definitely strengthened my faith. I found out things about the Bible that I didn't know and learned lots of things that helped validate my faith and move it to a deeper level. There was also a lot of fun, laughter and cake, and Sarah Cottrell was a great leader. An initiative
1: to teach sign language to hospital staff will be extended thanks to the generosity of fundraisers. The Friends of Worcestershire Royal Hospital has donated £4,000 to enable two further 10-week courses in British Sign Language for staff to be run at Worcestershire Royal Hospital. The first 10-week course is currently underway with 30 staff learning basic BSL, enabling them to have simple conversations with deaf patients and relatives. It was set up following an idea by hospital chaplain the Reverend David Southall, and Porter Steve Hartman, a British Sign Language tutor who became deaf 16 years ago due to a virus. Thanks to the fundraising, a further 60 staff will also get the opportunity to enrol on the course, which will include basic greetings as well as simple conversations about food, family and daily life. The Reverend Southall said... I think we can make a real difference to the life of our deaf patients and relatives by learning this language and feeling as inclusive as possible. I feel myself, I myself have been learning the sign language at level one for a year now and it has been so rewarding.
2: A portrait of the Dean of Worcester was unveiled at Worcester Cathedral. The portrait is by Malvern-based painter Tanya March currently artist-in-residence at the Cathedral. The Dean, the very Reverend Dr Peter Atkinson, said, It is a great honour to have been painted by Tanya and to be added to the Rogues Gallery of Portraits of former Deans. The portrait was unveiled on Monday, October 1st, in the Lady Chapel, which is the setting for the portrait and also one of the Dean's favourite spaces. It will be on display until October 15th. Tanya March said, I would like to thank the Dean for this opportunity and for having an interesting face to paint.
0: And that brings us to the end of this week's recording. So all that remains for me to do is to sign off and thank the team, John Plush, Duncan Wynn, Judith Doherty, Audrey Luxton and Sally Rowe to sign off, um, and myself, Elizabeth Hill, and hope you all have a good week. Bye-bye. 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 Bye.